Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Good morning, LifePoint. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for playing along. Hey, listen, today's a special day, and honestly, it's a day that I've been anticipating for a long time. And uh, it's not an exaggeration to say there are some miraculous things happening in the life of LifePoint Church. And if you're new, and I know some of you are, I met some of you who today is your very first day to come and visit us at LifePoint. One, we are so grateful that you're here. And just know today's a little unusual. Uh, it's not going to be a typical message, but I want you to know that what you are going to hear today and why I'm glad that you're here today is you're going to hear the heartbeat of our church because one of the things that we care about is not only the people who are here, but the people in our community who aren't here yet. And so today I'm going to stay a little closer to my notes. That's why the table's out uh, because I want to make sure that we cover all the material. We have a lot to cover uh, as we talk about the future of our church. But first... I just want to catch everybody up who maybe hasn't been on the journey with us, especially for those of you who may be here for the first time. So here's some important information to know. Our church, LifePoint, it began on March the 12th. Can you name the year? And now you can. 1989. Very good. You can read. So 1989. Now, what that means is that in about six weeks, we are having our 35th anniversary that's pretty special. That's a big deal. Yeah, way to go. <clears throat> Some of you, many of you have been in on the ride from the very beginning. And I just want you to know we are going to celebrate that on our anniversary service. We're actually going to do a service here at Plano. More details are coming. We're going to combine everybody. And we just want to make that, honestly, a celebration honoring the past. But we just want to make it a big party. And so make sure you mark that date down as we uh, um, plan to celebrate our anniversary as a church. Now, According to our founding pastor, PG, one of the things, as you know, this is kind of our third campus, and this is by far the long, longest of those three, but we had a, 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 an elementary school and then a middle school, and then we came here, and one of the reasons, according to PG, this location was chosen was because it was ahead of the wave of growth to reach specifically young families, and I thought it might be interesting because Dennis came across these pictures recently to kind of show what this property looked like in 1989 when our church began. This is a picture of our property. If you notice, it's kind of empty. And it, uh, as, as one friend said, that's just rabbit shooting country. That's just not where you actually expect to see a lot. And you can see Hedgecoax doesn't quite go to where our property now is. That's what ahead of the wave looked like. And that's truly ahead of the wave. But because of forward thinking by so many of the leadership at the time, God has really blessed our church, LifePoint, and over more than two decades, we saw incredible growth and lots of life change over the last 35 years. It is no exaggeration to say it has been a movement of God. But like a lot of churches, there's also been a decline. There's also been the reality of the last few years, and so we not too long ago shared the data that we wanted to kind of put things in context that there has been decline the last 15 years and there is a need to right size the congregation with the building that's here. And so our response to that two years ago, if you remember, 
was we began to pray together. We began to have these gatherings that we just simply called gather where we would worship, where we would pray, where we would do communion. And our sole objective was to ask God to lead us into the future. God, what do you want for the future? And that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that that's when we began to see God move and to reveal his will as we moved forward. And so last year... We've been talking about this for two or three years, but last year was when we finally signed the contract to sell the Plano campus, and everything, by the way, is right on schedule, and everything is moving forward. But another significant thing that happened since we began to gather in those prayer gatherings was we began to see something happen that I believe was nothing short of divine. We believed as a leadership, both the pastors but also the board, that God was leading us to establish up north a church or a campus. However, when we began to meet as a staff, we identified three really big hurdles that we had no answers for. And that is the cost of launching a new campus, the building itself, where would we do this, and then the number of volunteers that it would take to pull that off. And I've shared the story before, but in the fall of 2022, I began to pray to God, God, you've led us. We now know what the hurdles are, and we don't have any answers for these hurdles. And I began to pray that morning, I'll never forget it, a very raw prayer that simply said, God, you led us here. Now what? We've done all we can do. God, now what? And then that morning, I read this verse. And it's, this is uh, the end of Exodus chapter 5. And this is Moses talking to God about trying to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And his hurdle, instead of money, building, and volunteers, was a Pharaoh. And he was frustrated because he knew what God had led him to do, but there was no way that he could do it. And here's a summary of the way chapter 5 ends. Moses asked God, what are you doing? I obeyed you. And our lives have gotten worse. You ever felt that way? I don't know what else you want me to do, God, was the essence of his prayer. And I remember thinking, go Moses, because that's how I felt. We had done all we could do. But unlike the hurdle being Moses, our hurdle was money building volunteers. And then I turned the page and the very next verse slapped me in the face. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, where it says... The Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to your hurdle, in his case, Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, not yours, Moses, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And I was reminded that when, what God said to Moses is, when God calls, God acts. And he orchestrates the future. It's in his hands. So I got that morning, I was encouraged. And I, and I told some of the staff about it. And, and literally that afternoon, some, something surprising happened in that. Rock Hill High School became available. And suddenly we had a building. And I remember, God, now we will see what you will do. Here it is. And then I thought, oh, but there's a big problem. We still have two big hurdles that if they don't get cleared, none of this matters. Finances and volunteer. And one week later, I got a call from Pastor Dennis saying that LifePoint had just received an unexpected donation, the largest donation in the history of our church. 
and that it would cover not only all the startup costs associated with the new campus, but also rent for two years. And I remember thinking, now you will see what I will do, God's mighty hand. And then we presented all of this to you, and we said, but if we're going to pull this off, it's going to take a lot of people. And more than 100 volunteers stepped up to be part of Rock Hill, and many stepped up here to backfill the roles that were created when they left. And just like that, all three hurdles were cleared. Finances, building, and volunteers, all done. And I believe we collectively witnessed the mighty hand of God. Yeah, amen. And as a result of your investment, your work, and our prayers together, what our great God did was last Easter we launched Rock Hill Campus. And I am so excited to be able to say thanks to your investments, thanks to your prayers, thanks to your support. Over the past year, this campus has become a sustainable campus. And I know what you're thinking. Mark, it's all good information, but what about today's announcement? Well, last fall, we began to actively search for new and permanent location. And our LifePoint board worked with a commercial broker to establish a target area, to establish a price range, and to establish a size of the desired property and that we would prefer to have a, an existing building, though we understood in our target area that was highly unlikely. And then our board formed a small team to work with the broker to investigate potential properties and then report back to the board. In total, more than a dozen different properties were researched. So here's the announcement. Are you ready? Well, two of you, I will tell you. If you just come up here. <clears throat> Life point, we have a new campus. Yeah. <clears throat> now, it's not across the finish line yet. We have to close on that campus. is contingent upon closing on our campus. But again, everything's on schedule and headed in the right direction just right on time. But the leadership at LifePoint unanimously believes that God has revealed our next campus, and I know what you're thinking, where? It's a 31-acre property that as you head up Custer north, past 380, it is on the west edge of McKinney. It's 26 minutes from here. It's 13 minutes from Rock Hill, and we'll talk more about the location in just a minute. I want you to see this picture which is an aerial shot of the property because this 31 acre, I believe it's a beautiful property, miraculously includes a building in between these baseball fields. So we gotta learn to play baseball apparently now too. It has a couple of houses which will be great for staff offices. But here are some reasons we're excited about this property. And to share some of the reasons we're excited about this property and believe God led us to it, I have to share two miracles that I believe have happened again. One, it has an existing building, which is just incredible. When we think about our broker who sold this property and brokered the other broker who brokered the new property, both very experienced veterans in this market, repeatedly told us, in your target area, you are not likely to find an existing building because they simply don't exist. 
you could find land and start with new construction. The problem is an existing building would allow us to save two years in construction cost compared to new construction. But one of the great things was one of the brokers repeatedly said when he gave us the warning that we wouldn't find a building, he said, but I will always say, when man plans, God laughs. And I just think the whole time God was kind of laughing and enjoying our conversation as he said, I got a place, just trust me. That was a miracle. The second thing is the competitive price at which God has allowed us to get on this property. What's unique about this property is there were two adversarial owners, one who owned the land and the other who owned the building. And we were able to finally invite them to sit together so that we could have the conversation together. And they required that it be the one owner of the land our broker, me, the owner of the building, and the attorney in this meeting. By the way, they don't teach any of this in seminary, right? And right away, the owner of the land told the owner of the building, he said, if you and I can just negotiate a deal right now, he goes, no offense, pastor, but we don't need him. If you and I can just negotiate a deal right now on what you want for that building, there are a lot of people who have shown interest in this if the building is included. So let's just agree on something so that we can get more for it. And right away we were eliminated. Until the other owner of the building spoke up and he said, yeah, but I'm only interested in doing this deal if you do it with this church because I believe in their mission. And yeah, amen. <laughs> And so we ended up agreeing on a purchase price 25% less than the asking price. And I believe it's the mighty hand of God. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> so another reason that we're excited about this, obviously, is that it is ahead of the wave of growth. In fact, it's about as close to this location as you can be and still be ahead of the wave of growth. It's a large property, which gives us a lot of future options as far as growth and potentially selling off some of the property. It's a pretty property, has a lot of natural features, uh, despite it being winter, uh, that uh, have a lot of trees and, and even a small little creek that goes through it. Bottom line, the property not only meets all the board's criteria, it exceeds it. And so what that means is our grand opening in our new location will be by Easter of next year, Easter of 2025. Now, if you do the math on this, here's what's incredible. I didn't even, didn't even dawn on me until this week and, and one of our pastors said, hey, have you realized what God has done? You say, why does that matter to your thing? Well, you remember the largest donation that God gave us was going to cover both the startup cost and two years of rent. And we launched this last Easter and we will go in the next Easter, meaning Rock Hill will have been covered the entire time by this donation. God miraculously even knew how much for how long and now we would go into the new building in 2025. Now you may be thinking, Mark, based on that pic, uh, that picture, that metal building that I saw looks pretty simple. Are you telling me we are now going to be worshiping in a warehouse? As cool as that might be, no. It is going to undergo some extensive renovations. And so as part of the team we've hired of general contractor, owner's rep, 
uh, civil engineer and architect, all went out there and, and did a lot of, of work on the building. And, and, uh, and then we've asked the architect to give us some renderings. And these are just concepts that give us an idea of what the building could look like, what the campus could look like. And so these are far from final, but I wanted to show them to you today. Here's the outside of the building, the, the worship center, um, that kind of gives you a sense of the exterior of the building. And then here's a concept for the inside or the main lobby that gives you a sense of, of what could be there. And then here's, again, this, these are concepts, but this is the whole layout so that you can kind of see that, one, there would be a 550-seat auditorium, there would be a large kids' space for preschool and several classrooms, a large room for K through 5 bathrooms throughout, uh, a couple of classrooms, and then uh, a large lobby, a large cafe, a lot of exterior space, all as part of it. What I'm excited about is this is where we would be able to invite people on Easter of next year. You say, well, Mark, what about the distance from Plano? to the new campus and some may say well it's, it's just too far and I'll be honest I totally get it um, and we want to do everything that we can to make it possible to invite you to join us in this next chapter of our church family and so if there's enough interest this is one thing we've looked into and plan to do is to provide a shuttle on Sunday mornings from Plano to the new campus once the campus opens I mean, the truth is, if you're like me, I'll drive further to work every day than this distance, and I'll drive more than 25 minutes if the restaurant's good, right? But at the end of the day, what I know is not everyone will make the journey. But we want to do everything that we can to invite you to participate in this next chapter. Here's why. Because I want your heart there. I want your presence there. I want your wisdom there. I want the gifts that God has gifted you with to be part of this. We want the story that you carry there. And so we would love to invite you to continue this journey, this exciting next chapter. Now, if you've got questions, and maybe you do, there's going to be an FAQ page that will show up on our website. Uh, also, if you have questions, you can always email Pastor Dennis. And if you want to meet with me personally... I am available for that. You can email Dennis. In fact, what we've done is, not tomorrow, but the next two Mondays, the first two Mondays of February, reserve the calendar for you, the, those two afternoons. If you want to meet, just let us know. Email Dennis, and we would love to touch base and, uh, and make that happen. So you may be asking, so, so what's next? What's the next step? Well, the next best step we believe to take as a church is prayer. So our first event at the new property will be a prayer event. We're going to have gather on March the 10th. It'll be a little rustic, I'll just tell you, but you're invited to come out and pray for the future of our church at the new campus. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time focused on why our church must move forward. Why we must move forward. Number one, obedience. This is what God is leading us to do, and we want to be obedient to what he's orchestrating. But number two, something's broken in our world. Americans are increasingly uninterested in attending church. This is a survey from Barna Group that shows that over the last 20 years, 
that Americans are increasingly uninterested in attending church. And this survey actually ends in 2020. Pre-COVID, since COVID, attendance has only decreased more. And as discouraging as this graph and this truth is, there's something more discouraging happening in our nation that should be a red warning light for American Christianity. It should be flashing red for all of us who are on mission for Jesus. And that is this. Gen Z, Generation Z, born between 97 and 2012, is the least church generation in American history. Yet, they are the most open spiritually. In other words, what they've said is, we don't have a problem with God, but we have a problem with the church. Something's broken in our world. And if our generation drops the baton, the race is over. And I know we don't want to be the generation that drops the baton. I just want to pause and recognize that in a room like this with people who've been attending at different stages along the journey of LifePoint, I know that there are different kinds of emotions that we all feel. Some of us probably feel sad because of what we're leaving behind. Some of us feel excited about where we're headed. A lot of us might feel both emotions, and certainly those are very normal and healthy emotions to feel. But I do want to be super clear today that I am not inviting you or wanting you to fall in love with a new campus or a new location. As you know, the Church of Jesus Christ was started by followers who went on mission for Jesus. It was never about a building. It was never about a campus. The mission was always the priority. That's always been the heartbeat of this church as well. So I am excited about the new campus, but I don't ever want to fall in love with it or invite someone else to do that because it's nothing more than a tool that will be used for his mission. And you say, well, when did the mission begin and what's that about? Well, 2,000 years ago, something was broken in the world then and people were living in darkness and felt hopeless. And in response to people living in darkness and being hopeless, you know what Jesus did? He launched the church. He launched the church and it all began in Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. And I want you to see this. How it all began. How our story began. It begins in verse 18 where it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come follow me, and here it is, the mission, and I will send you out to fish for people. I want you to follow me, and I will send you out. I want you to follow me, and I will send you out. Think about this. When Jesus saw brokenness in the world, his very first step was to invite followers to go on mission. That was his response. That was his solution. And I want you to notice what these two brothers did, because think about it. It's just the two of them, and they're brothers, and they're probably thinking, I know you, and you know me, and we're not that great. Like This sounds like a big thing, a big mission, and we're not very significant. And yet, because it involved following Jesus, trusting Jesus, watch what it says they did in verse 20. 
at once they left their nets and followed him. God, this is all we know. This is how we have been provided for. And yet we are going to leave it because you've invited us to do it. And when followers go on mission, their first step often involves leaving what we know or our comfort zone. And this is more than just us corporately and a building. It's us individually and what we've become comfortable with in our lives. I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes really excited about sharing Jesus. And at other times, I've gotten busy about things I've kind of settled back into. And I'm always returning to this place of comfort. But when we go on mission, it's always God challenging our place of comfort. But you know, it's got to be worthwhile, right? If you're going to leave the familiar, if you're going to leave the status quo, it's got to be worth it. And these two brothers got to be thinking, it's just the three of us, me, you, and Jesus. And I know you're not capable, and I know I'm not capable. How are we going to pull this off? But what a difference a small group of people can make when they are committed to following Jesus, because in the end, it's him who's orchestrating it all. Because look at verse 25. It started off with just the three of them. But then we see a multiplying effect because by now, verse 25, large crowds from Galilee, from the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan now followed him. We see the multiplying effect of following Jesus. It is a principle throughout Scripture. Our job isn't to do everything. Our job is to follow him toward everything he leads us toward. But when people follow Jesus... More people find Jesus. And this is our invitation. That was their invitation throughout the centuries of the church. We see when people follow Jesus, more people find Jesus. It's the story of our church here at LifePoint when 35 years ago, P.G. Cheryl and their three boys, they saw something broken in the world and People were living in darkness and they wanted to bring the light of Jesus and God invited them and many of you who were in those early days as well to leave their nets and to go on mission. And I'm so glad they did. The result was a large crowd and a lot of people who followed Jesus. And now here we are 35 years later in 2024 facing something again. And this time we once again recognize something is broken in the world. You say, what is it that's broken? Well, I want to tell you, but, but it begins with a report I read last year that had a very discouraging result. And it really shook me a little bit as I thought, well, what does that matter for us? How does that impact how we're doing ministry? Before I share the results of the report, I want to ask you a very personal question. And if you'll just raise your hand and participate in this, how many of you surrendered to Jesus before the age of 30? If you surrendered to Jesus before the age of 30, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. By far the majority. Here's what this report revealed. 96% of people Surrender to Jesus before the age of 30. Does that make the other 4% insignificant and unimportant? Absolutely not. But th 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 what that reveals is the greatest mission field in Collin County are those who are under the age of 30. And what we also recognize is while public schools are declining here in March, they're meeting in Plano ISD to decide if and how many schools will close. School enrollment up north is growing with dozens of new schools being built. It is an obvious mission field. And recognizing at the same time 
that something is broken in our world where American churches and Christianity is in decline. Most rapidly among those who are under the age of 30, something is broken in our world and we have an opportunity to respond. We have an opportunity to be part of the solution. And so no matter where we gather for church, may we fully commit to his mission, his great commission. In a now famous conversation that took place between Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, and John Scully, who was the president of Pepsi, they were sitting on a balcony overlooking Central Park in New York City. And Steve Jobs was trying to recruit John Scully to leave Pepsi and come work for Apple. And finally, at the end of the conversation, Steve Jobs looked over and asked John Scully, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to join me and change the world? And it reminds me of this Tim Keller quote when it comes to our faith. He said, if there is a God, you owe him far more than a morally decent life. I fear most Christians are tempted to settle for just a morally decent life life but that's like settling for sugar water when we've been called to go on mission to change the world how do we do that though how do we go from here what does that mean for our church we know what our mission is but how do we actually accomplish that what is it that's going to to be effective as we move forward what are the priorities of the church as we move forward well, that's the next series we're about to kick off next week called Who We Are. And I invite you to come as we get clarity over how it is we will pursue the greatest mission on earth, the mission you and I have been created to pursue. Finally, some of you have been attending LifePoint for many, many years, and you saw a movement. You were part of it. You experience it. Some of you came to Christ here. Your kids or grandkids came to Christ here. You've seen what God can do through missions throughout the world in local uh, outreach. And through the decades here, you have experienced a beautiful and power and unmistakable movement of God. Imagine being part of seeing God do it again. And that's our prayer. And so I am asking our founding pastor, PG, to come and close us with a prayer. And what I want to invite you to do is if all of you would stand together now as we have this responsive prayer, and let's take this to the Lord as we close our service today in prayer together. PG. Mark and I meet frequently at Country Burger. <laughs> I have a country cheeseburger, and he has a salad, and it's pretty obvious you can tell <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But when Mark shared with me the latest developments that he just shared with you, God put on my heart Psalms 126. And it's what I call, do it again, Lord, Psalm. And I want to read this, and I want to pray this. I'm going to read it off the monitor, and it's going to be a responsive prayer. This is a prayer of gratitude. This is a prayer of excitement. And the response is, Lord, 
or do it again, Lord, do it again. Because that's what we're asking God to do. So let me just read Psalms 126. It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. That's Jerusalem. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, the Lord has done great miracles for him. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful sounds of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessings and a harvest overflowing. Psalms 126. And here's the prayer I've been praying for a month. And when Pastor Mark called me, George, will you close us in prayer? I wrote these words down. And will you respond? Do it again, Lord, and do it again. And say it with gusto in your heart because God's moving. Just as you used Moses to bring your people to their homeland, do it again, Lord, in our time. Use Pastor Mark and the staff and the board to bring us to our new home. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Just as you gave courage to Joshua's generation to enter the promised land, do it again, Lord, in our time. Give us courage as a spiritual family to enter into this place that we too can reap a bountiful harvest. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Just as you raised up a new leader through Elijah with Elisha to reach a new generation of people, do it again, Lord, in our generation. Help us to take who we are and what we have to reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Just as those who wept with the loss of their home temple and return to a new temple with laughter in their mouths. Do it again in our generation. Turn our tears into laughter as we see the new building you will construct for us. Do it, it again, again, Lord, do, do it, it again. Just as the first century church reached Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, do it again in our generation. Turn this movement you started 35 years ago through a small band of people into a worldwide movement for your glory and other people's good. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Let me close in a personal word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness over these past 35 years. And I appreciate, God, I thank you for your humility. You could do this all by yourself. You could make the stones cry out on their own to bring people into your presence. But God, you have humbled yourself to use us. And I am so grateful, God. And so will you take what we have, which isn't a lot, 
but we put it into your hands and we ask you to bless it, God. Finish what you started 35 years ago. We give this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.